On today's episode, we're welcoming a fizzy new member to the subscription class. And April Dunford of Ambient Strategy is here as product positioning pro. Plus, Campfire Labs takes a deep dive into Drift's conversational marketing approach. And we have the inside scoop direct from their team. All this and more today on Recur Now. From ProfitWell's Boston HQ, it's Wednesday, December 18th, and I'm still James Herrick. I'm Abby Sullivan. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. First up, your daily subscription digest. Hey, James, what is your favorite soda? Well, whenever I go to the movies, I have to get Cherry Coke. Perfect. So glad you said that. For the sake of this story transition, Coca-Cola just launched a subscription service for $10 per month. And the first 1,000 insiders get an exclusive first taste of some 20-plus new beverages. Interesting. So this is giving me those Salt Lake Barbecue subscription vibes and Arby's from last year with that exclusivity factor. Yep, Coca-Cola gave a limited number of fans a taste of 2020 with access to all new beverages, some of which haven't even hit shelves yet. McCray O'Hare, digital experiences manager at Coca-Cola North America, said, As a total beverage company, we're constantly looking for ways to innovate not only in our products, but also in the consumer-centric experiences we offer. The deal is people want choice, convenience, and customization. The Insiders Club will allow us to showcase the diversity of the drinks we offer and get some of our newest innovations into the hands of fans who want to be among the first to really enjoy them. And apparently Coke just keeps on killing it, with better-than-expected second-quarter results and net revenues rising 6% during the quarter and sales volume another 3%. Maybe we could learn a thing or two from this classic brand going subscription. Would have hopped on board on this one, but sadly, there's a wait list and they're all full up. And now April Dunford, founder and CEO of Ambient Strategy, tweets out her talk from industry last year, a conference all about product. As a product positioning pro, she knows positioning can make or break a new product, yet it rarely gets the attention it deserves. In her talk, she outlines the positioning process that will spotlight your product's best features. She also provides repositioning examples and shows the impact on the overall business that resulted from that shift in context. Here's a clip. Whenever I talk about positioning, I usually have to start by telling you what positioning is not. It is not a tagline. It is not the same thing as messaging. It is not, this is my personal pet peeve when people say brand positioning. There is branding, there is positioning. Those two things are completely separate. I like to think of it this way. If everything the company does in marketing and sales is the house, positioning is the foundation upon which the house is built. I like to define it this way. Positioning defines how our product is the best in the world at providing something that a well-defined set of customers cares a lot about. April is a powerhouse in product, so we'll link to the full talk in, you guessed it, your subscriber newsletter. Plus, in the coming weeks, we'll release her talk from our conference, Recur. Also, a knowledge drop in how to make your market category work for you. And now the crew over at Campfire Labs drops an awesome piece on how Drift's conversational marketing approach makes content marketing more human. When former VP of marketing Dave Gerhardt took over marketing at Drift, he wanted to do things differently. He wanted to use real stories and real people to stand apart from the thousands of tech companies vying for attention. In other words, he wanted to build a brand that people could relate to. Content is a commodity. Everyone is doing it, Gerhardt says. The current model for content marketing is broken. We want to challenge it in everything that we do. 
into. As a content marketing agency, the crew at Campfire Labs is always on the lookout for the highest quality of content. Content which shapes brand identity, builds trust and loyalty, and elevates marketing and sales efforts across the board. So earlier this year, the team launched a series profiling content marketing that does just that. Here's Luke Starbuck, GM from Campfire Labs, from the inside. For this particular article, we wanted to look at their concept of conversational marketing and how really that's made their content marketing more human. So we interviewed their VP of marketing, Dave Gerhardt, um, a guy who, if you've heard of him, you know, needs no further introduction. Really, he is um, just an incredible wealth of marketing insight and a real force to be reckoned with. And back when he left HubSpot to join Drift, um, he said that he really wanted to build a brand that people could relate to. And that meant using real stories, real people, and real examples as well. One of the things Dave talked about is this idea of measuring in love. The idea there is basically that marketers, you know, oftentimes are getting fixated on analytics. It's easy to do, to think about the data at the beginning and think about the data at the end of the project. And of course, that data is really important, which is why people give it so much attention. But when you get so fixated on it, you can really miss other opportunities to do things that are going to make customers really fall in love with your brand. In a similar realm, the Campfire Labs team published an article on Drift's blog all about long-form content marketing formats that are proven to drive results. We'll link to that in your subscriber newsletter. We hope that these two pieces give you some insight, you know, as you fine-tune your content strategy for the year ahead. Uh, Very much wish you all the very best with, uh, with what you're doing with content. And that's a wrap on your December 18th subscription news. Up next, a look inside the mind of Drift's David Cancel and Protect the Hustle. We had learned that at Performable, so we were obsessed with that, at Performable, this kind of customer-driven approach to building stuff, mostly out of necessity, right? We stumbled yeah. upon it. That's not the way I did things before. We stumbled upon it because we didn't have enough people on the team to do support. So one day I was like, we all need to do support. And so we all need, we all were on the phone, email back then, uh, doing support, including every engineer who cried and whined and didn't want to do it. Oh, to customers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I noticed I stumbled upon a discovery and that discovery was if the engineers heard things from customers directly, they took action. And if they heard it from Patrick or someone else on the team, they're like mm, a little bit more skeptical. Yeah. Uh, They weren't buying into it. They were making excuses. Patrick, you don't understand. We need to re-platform in order to change that link to blue. Like it's complicated. But if five customers in a row were saying the same thing, they were just like, forget it. I'll just fix it right now. I'll just fix it right now. And I I discovered that because I was lobbying. I had been trying to get something done and there was pushback. And then all of a sudden it was done. And so I asked, why did that happen? I talked to the three customers. I just fixed it. And I was like, holy shit. If they hear it directly, which then made sense, right? Because then it was the, like, oh, wait, this is just a feedback loop, yeah. right? We shortened the feedback loop. It was like feedback, you know, response, yeah. feedback, you know, learning. And it was just like, okay, can we build a system that's just around a feedback loop? Elias and I are both entrepreneurial, aka don't like being told what to do. And so, like, we were like, can we build an environment that's just built that way where it's yeah. just like things are as close to the customer? In that case, no one else has to tell you yeah. to do something. And so, I'd say Performable was an experiment, but we didn't know if it would scale. We were just like 20 some odd people when we got acquired. And then at HubSpot, we scaled the team to 200. And so like, oh, it actually could scale. The structure of the team. Yeah, the structure of the team that's built around the customer could scale. You know, at Performable and at HubSpot, we always built for a persona, right? We built for like, 
uh, the marketer, marketing Mary, or the marketer, or this person, or whatever. And so, yeah, and so what you would do with a persona is like, you would discover a persona, you would have real versions of persona, then you would learn everything about the persona and build software around that persona. Which was an improvement to the way that I had done things before, which is start with the technology, look for applications of the technology, and then build more and more technology and just look for applications. This was persona, and so we're building around and discovering. And then now what we're doing at Drift is totally different, which is like we're building for the end user customer experience because we think that's the most important thing. And so how do we build things around that end user customer experience that makes selling and marketing better? And if we can do that, then we will change the way the marketing and sales team actually works and the whole structure. But we're starting at a different perspective of where we're going. And finally, more of what you can find with our series, Protect the Hustle. From ProfitWell Recur, it's Protect the Hustle, a show about those who are in the trenches actually doing the work. What is hustle? The word hustle dates back to the 1680s from the Dutch word huslen, which means to shake or to toss. The very core of the word is around shaking up and pushing forward, which is why plenty of the dictionary definitions have some derivation of movement or energy. As Queen Miriam Webster quips, hustle is to obtain by energetic activity. The core of hustle was around changing your environment and shaking things up to produce large scale action. Sometimes that was very positive, pulling yourself up from your bootstraps or running that extra sprint in practice. But other times it was more negative, pool hall hustling or slinging rock. Hustle was initiative and not accepting your circumstances and doing everything in your power to change. Hip hop embraced this throughout the 90s and the aughts because a lot of circumstances in black communities need to be shaken up to push out of poverty by any means necessary. The negative externality of that though was because of circumstances, a lot of times this meant selling drugs or doing illegal activities because there just wasn't another option. But it's important to remember that hustle wasn't negative. It wasn't bad intent. Hustle was that movement of changing circumstance and environment to get to the point where you could go legit. Even in Jay-Z's 90s classics, Can't Knock the Hustle and Rap Game, Crack Game, hustle was the means of taking on challenges to garner wealth and actually hustle out of the illegal means into the legal ones. Johnny and Jane startups embraced this concept of hustle because it meant shoe leather and elbow grease, getting there before anyone else did and going that extra mile to get the deal done. But then hustle changed. Hustle became more gratuitous. In the late aughts, songs like Rick Ross's Hustlin' started to stop talking about the velocity of hustle and just the movement of cash from one place to another. Now it was money for money's sake, not to move out of circumstance, but for cash and cars and just more cash and more cars. Startups started latching onto this word as the gratuitous image of crushing it and tweeting out unnecessary vocalizations of superficial feelings of accomplishment. Hustle lost its edge. The context changed completely and hustle became negative because we associated it with not great things and not great people. But the thing is though, hustle still means hustle. Hustle is a beacon to changing your own personal circumstances and destroying the demons that haunt you and try to prevent you from doing that one extra call, that one extra rep or whatever it takes. 
Those who protect the hustle define hustle, and that's what we're all about at ProfitWell, keeping that velocity to rage against the dying of things that we find important. And to do our part to the greater hustle community, we're bringing you season two of Protect the Hustle. Stories in the trenches from the people doing the actual work and protecting everything that hustle stands for. So sign up at protectthehustle.com and sit back, relax, and take notes. And that's it for your December 18th episode of Recur Now. For more, check back here tomorrow.